We come now to John chapter 21, the final message in this series through the Gospel of John. And as we've been seeing the resurrected Lord Jesus appear to his followers, we've seen him come to them in the midst of different circumstances. Mary Magdalene is grieving, weeping at the empty tomb. The, the ten disciples are frightened. They're, they've locked themselves into a room. Thomas is disbelieving and Jesus shows his hand and his side. And in this final resurrection appearance in the Gospel of John, we see Jesus come to Peter. We see him come to Peter in the midst of his failure. We all need to understand the importance of how we should respond when we fail. You see, when we look to the future, it's not, it's not that failure is a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's not if we will fail, it's when we will fail. We need to know what we should do. And this passage gives us a beautiful roadmap of returning and repentance and restoration and relationship. The title for today's message is, Do You Love Me? That's the question that Jesus Ask Peter that initiates the healing and the forgiveness and the restoration that Peter so desperately needed. We need this for our own lives. We also need this in the context of community because people around us are going to fail as well. And we need to be able to lovingly and tenderly help them get to Jesus when they fail. Let's pray for God's help right now. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we pray that you would be with us in this unique season, Lord. We pray that you would speak powerfully by the power of your Spirit in the name of your Son. Amen. John chapter 21 verse 1 says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. That's the Sea of Galilee. They've gone back to their hometown. Jesus told them in Matthew 26, verse 33, and Matthew 28, verse 7, that they were to go back to Galilee. Jesus' death and burial and resurrection, all of that happened around Jerusalem. Now he's told them to take the four-day journey back, back to where it all began. Jesus wants them all, particularly Peter, to go back to the beginning. There's the list of the disciples here in verse 2. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John. John's the one who wrote the Gospel of John. And two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. You see the different personalities here. Peter, the natural leader, I'm going fishing. Everyone else is like, Yep, okay, we're coming too. You can picture John running to the boat, making sure he gets there first. Thomas is probably saying, oh, we probably won't catch anything. And they all come to the boat at the end of verse 4. They got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now this story might sound familiar. Jesus told them to go back to the beginning, to go back to the place. And here they are in the same place, and they're doing some of the same things that they did initially. They're fishing, and this is the exact same experience that they had. In Luke chapter 5, they were fishing on the Sea of Galilee, and they were up all night, and they caught nothing. And Jesus came to them in that moment of failure. And again, Jesus comes to us in our Failure. Verse 4, uh, just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. The light of the world is, is, is there on the shore just as the sun is rising. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. 
He said to them, cast your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put out he put on his outer garment, for, it was, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Here's the first thing we need to understand when we fail. When we fail, we need to get as close to Jesus as fast as we can. Get as close to Jesus as fast as we can. Sometimes our tendency when we, when we fail is to try to distance ourselves from Jesus, from other believers, from the word of God, from prayer. We somehow feel unworthy. No, when we fail, the first rule, get as close to Jesus as fast as we can. Don't let your failure keep you from getting to your Savior. Don't let your pride, don't let other people, don't let guilt, don't let shame. Do you see the ridiculousness of what just took place? Now, I'm no lifeguard, I'm not a competitive swimmer, but I do know one thing. The more clothes you put on before swimming, the more difficulty you're going to have in the water. And here we see Peter, though, putting on his outer garment and then jumping into the water. Peter doesn't care. He wants to get as close to Jesus as fast as he can. And that's how we need to be. We, we, we shouldn't be afraid of what other people think. We shouldn't be afraid of looking foolish. He is our Savior. The same Peter who ran to the tomb is now swimming to the shore. All he wants to be is close to Jesus. And so the other disciples arrive by boat, the normal way. It says, it says that they were only about 100 yards off. Verse 9, when they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, remember that, with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 150 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? For they knew that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Notice how Jesus already had breakfast ready for them. Jesus makes breakfast for failures and invites them to come. He invites them into fellowship with him. Richard Baxter said it so wisely, there is more mercy in Christ than there is sin in us. He performs this miracle. He brings them to the shore. He provides breakfast for them. This is the kind of savior that we need to make sure that we get to as close to him as we can and as fast as we can. Jesus has Peter come all the way back to the beginning. When we fail, we need to come back to the beginning. Luke 5, the first time that Peter had been up all night and Jesus had given some fishing instructions and then they caught this miraculous catch, that's when Peter first became conscious of his sin. He said to Jesus, depart from me for I am a sinful man. And then Jesus called him in that moment. When we fail, we need to come back to the beginning. 
We need to come back to the the basic fundamental principles of the gospel. We need to remember our own conversion, our own baptism, our own testimony, how Jesus stepped into our life and changed everything. We need to come back to the beginning. We get as close to him as fast as we can. And the place that he will take us is back to the beginning, back to the truth that he's a savior who came to save sinners. So when we fail, we need to get to him get to him as fast as we can. Then secondly, we need to replace our self-confidence with humble dependence. Self-confidence with humble dependence. Now come the famous threefold questions that Jesus asks Peter. Verse 15, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, there are two different Greek words that Jesus and Peter are using in this conversation, the word agape and the word phileo. I don't think that there's any significance to the different word uses. I think John is just simply being a good author, using a variety of language to engage his reader. Multiple words are used for sheep. Multiple words are used for fish in the same story. We don't read anything into those words. We're not going to read anything into phileo or agape here. It's the same question. Do you love me. Now, if Peter had answered that question a matter of days earlier, it would have been a very different answer. Of course, I love you, Jesus. I will prove it to you. I will die for you. But Peter's changed. Notice the nature of the very first question. Jesus says, do you love me more than these? Is he saying, do you love me more than these fish, more than these loaves of bread? Or is he saying, do you love me more than these disciples? Well, those would be obvious questions. Uh, Peter loves Jesus more than he loves fish. He loves Jesus more than he loves bread. He loves Jesus more than he loves Thomas or Nathaniel or James or John. Of course he loves Jesus more, but that's not the question. When Jesus says, do you love me more than these? He's not saying, do you love me more than you love these disciples? He's saying, do you love me more than these disciples love me? It was a question of comparison. It was a, a question that Peter needed to come to grips with because Peter had said earlier on in Matthew 26, verse 33, though they all fall away, I will never fall away. He said, those other disciples, they don't love you nearly half as much as I love you, Jesus. I am so confident in my commitment. I will never fall away. And then, and then in the next moment, Jesus predicts that Peter would deny Jesus three times. Peter said in John 13, verse 37, I will die for you. I will lay down my life for you. He was so confident, and now his self-confidence is being replaced by humble dependence. Notice how he's grieved the third time. You see, Jesus brings Peter back to the Sea of Galilee. He brings him back to the very beginning, to his initial calling. He almost recreates that scene, but now he's recreating another scene. He's asking three questions. And he's asking three questions as you go back to verse 9. He's asking it 
sitting around a charcoal fire. The only other time in the entire Bible when charcoal fire is used is in the courtyard of the high priest when Peter denied Jesus three times. And now Jesus asks questions around a fire about Peter's allegiance to Jesus. You see, Jesus doesn't just gloss over our failures. He doesn't just ignore them or pretend they don't exist or act like they never happened. No, he goes right for it. He, he is filled with grace. He's also filled with truth. He brings Peter right back to his moment of failure and he's going to lead him from that failure to a place of forgiveness. And notice how Peter humbly depends on Jesus in this moment. Peter would have been so sure of his love for Jesus before. But now, after he's grieved by hearing it the third time, in verse 17 he says, Lord, you know everything. Before Peter thought he knew everything. Peter at least thought he knew his own heart. He at least thought he knew his own actions. He at least thought he knew his own loyalty. But now, he is looking to Jesus for all of those things. He says, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my sheep. He has a role for Peter. He wants Peter to feed his sheep, to tend his lambs. You might feel like because of your a failure that God has somehow put you on the bench or up in the press box. You're, you're not on the roster. You don't get to play in the game. Jesus has a plan and a purpose for you just like he did for Peter. So loved ones, we need to get as close to Jesus as fast as we can. We need to replace our self-confidence with humble uh, dependence. I love this verse, Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Peter is beginning to follow that. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And then look in verse 18. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Jesus here makes it clear to Peter how his life is going uh, to end. And this brings us to our third and final point that when we fail, we must keep following him without focusing on others. Keep following him without focusing on others. This language of stretching out hands and being led to a place where Peter doesn't want to go. This is talking about Peter's martyrdom. Peter wanted to die for Jesus in John 13 verse 37. And then now, G now Jesus is actually encouraging Peter. He is telling him, you will persevere till the end. You see, you've got to understand, this Judas thing would have been really still impressed on the disciples' minds at this point. Peter would be thinking, okay, since I failed, am I going to turn out like Judas? Am I just going to completely turn away from the Lord? And Jesus says, no, you will in fact die for your faith. 
One of the reasons why we can trust the eyewitness testimony of the disciples is that so many of them went to the grave still asserting that they believed Jesus had risen from the dead. The reason why most of them died was because they were killed. They were martyred because of their eyewitness testimony of the resurrection of Jesus. That's why we can trust their eyewitness testimony. And Jesus makes this prediction. The same Jesus who predicted that Peter would deny Jesus also predicted that Peter would die for Jesus. You see, true believers in Jesus persevere to the end. And that's what Jesus is making clear to Peter here. And then he says, follow me. Jesus followed a pattern of suffering that led to glory. And he tells Peter, now you got to follow me on this path. And Peter even mentions this in, in the book that he wrote, First Peter. He talks about following in the footsteps of Christ in the midst of suffering that will ultimately lead to glory. He says, follow me. What a beautiful picture. And you almost expect the story to end there just with Jesus and with Peter following him. But look how verse 19 ends. Follow me. Look how verse 20 begins. Peter turned. Follow me and Peter turned. I mean, this this is really what we would expect from Peter. You know, he's walking on water. He followed Jesus out onto that very sea, the Sea of Galilee, and he's walking on water. And then Peter turned and he stopped looking at Jesus. He started looking at the waves and he began to sink. And uh, at Caesarea Philippi in Mark chapter 8, Peter makes this declaration that Jesus is the Christ and the Holy One of God. And Jesus says, the Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And then Jesus goes on to talk about the cross. And then Peter says, no way. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Peter turned. Peter turned. Peter turned. I mean, this is the story of my life. Following Jesus and then turning and getting off track. That old hymn is right. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. But loved ones, we need to be resolved, especially when we fail, to to, to be resolved to follow him. And what caused Peter to turn was focusing on someone else. He turned to John. Verse 20 says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that the disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come. What is that to you? You see, John was uh, he uh, was following as Jesus and Peter are having this conversation. And Peter turned and looked at John and said, what about him? What about him? You see, we can so often do that. We can so often be walking along following Jesus and then something that's happening in someone else's life catches our attention. Why are they healthy and I'm sick? Why are they married and I'm still single? Why are they in that ministry position and I still haven't found a place to serve? Well, why is that happening for them and not for me? Lord, what about them? Jesus simply says, what is that to you? 
Jesus says, I'm here, Peter, to talk about your life and your story and my plan for you to bring glory to me. And then he repeats it again. He says at the end of verse 22, follow me. Peter's like, like, like myself, I so often need to hear things multiple times before I understand. And Jesus here very lovingly and patiently but firmly says, you follow me. Then John here wants to clear up this rumor, this rumor that was spreading that he was somehow going to live forever. He says, no, that's not what Jesus said. And then he identifies himself in verse 24. He says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things. I am the one who's described as the disciple whom Jesus loved. John reveals himself as the author now. And he says, and who has written these things. And then he says, and we know that his testimony is true. John knows that his testimony is true, but he also just includes the other apostles. He also includes the, the, the church community around him, the other eyewitnesses to say, we believe that this is true. And then he closes off his gospel with this beautiful summation in verse 25. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. John says, I have so many other stories. There's so many other things that I could tell you. There is so much content, but I don't have the time. And even if I had the time, there wouldn't be enough books because the whole world would be filled with books because of all the incredible things that Jesus did. But he says, these things, I wrote these things, going back to chapter 20, verse 31, I wrote these things so that you would believe. You see, John wrote this story, added this story, this epilogue, this discussion with Peter so that we would learn and know that failure is not final. Satan always wants to tell us that God has closed the book on us and the story is over. The story's not over. God is not closing the book. He's starting a new chapter. And Jesus asked Peter the question, do you love me? Not for Jesus' sake. Jesus knows all things. Jesus is insecure. Boy, I wonder how Peter really feels about me. No, Jesus doesn't ask the question, do you love me? Because Jesus needed to know. Jesus asked the question, do you love me? Because Peter needed to know. Peter needed to hear it coming from his own voice. And maybe you need to say that to Jesus today. Lord, I love you. Lord, I have wandered from you. But I want to get back on following you. I want to get back on glorifying you. I want to get back on loving you, God. I am prone to wander. Draw me close to you. I want to get as close to you as fast as I can. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, I pray for the wandering soul right now. I pray that they would know, Lord, that they have not wandered too far and they have not waited too long, but that you are waiting by the shore, that you are ready, that you have a meal prepared, that you have fellowship and relationship and restoration all prepared as we humbly walk in repentance. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.